Hey, Hoopheads. Once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Have a full house here with me tonight. Uh, Dan joining me. Also, we have Mac here, Mac Perry of the It Is Cavalier, It's Cavalier, rather, podcast. And we also have Justin Brownlow, who is new to the podcast. Um, another King James Gospel writer, also a football writer, a football podcaster. Uh, very excited to have all of you here. Um, Justin, how is your night going, man? It's good. It's good. Uh, you know, Mac made us wait a little bit, but that's all right. Uh, everything is better once you wait for it, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> The the anticipation, the buildup, um, I think we're going to have a great time here. Mac, I know you've been busy. How have you been? Man, it's been a real busy time for me, to be honest with you. Outside of podcasting and, you know, all that goes along with that, I just started a new position recently uh, with the company I'm with, and that's kind of been eating away at a lot of my time, a lot of my planning, too. So I'm glad to be doing another one of these with you, man. We truly appreciate your time, Mac, and uh, again, looking forward to doing this with you. And Dan, we'll wrap it up with you, man. How How's your night been? Been, uh, been good. It's always a pleasure to join you guys, and appreciate you. We'll get right into it. I think we have to address the, uh, the biggest news of the night first. Well, not of the night, but of the past week or so. Um, former Cavaliers two-way point guard Jeremiah Martin committing to play with the New York Knicks in the summer league, not the Cavs. That is a, a heartbreaker, a devastating blow. Jeremiah uh, obviously had such a great finish to the season. Um, what a shame to see Jeremiah Martin go to the Knicks instead of, you know, sticking around. I think this obviously means the Cavaliers are probably have not extended a qualifying offer to him in free agency. Obviously, his, his qualifying offer would just be another two-way contract, and I didn't think he really earned that. But... Um, Justin, I'll start with you. Are, are you as upset and disappointed as me to see Jeremiah Martin gone? Uh, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't know much about the guy. Like I kind of told you earlier, um, I'm looking through some of his. We stuff don't either. Now. We didn't really see him play that much. <laughs> Which I, I mean, for me, just it, like it doesn't make much sense. Like why? Like the Cavs need all the talent they can get. So why not sign this guy for up for like summer league or whatever? So I. I don't, I don't really understand them not letting people play or them signing elsewhere, but, uh, yeah, it just seems like the Cavs can use as much talent as they can possibly get. So um, it's a, big, a bit of a bummer, I guess. I guess that's a fair take. I was kind of being sarcastic with it. Um, I think that they can find plenty of other players that are better than Jeremiah Martin out there. Um, like I know you're not super familiar with him, but basically – was just a flyer that the Cavs took on a scoring guard at the end of last season that didn't really work out. I mean, it was a very good score in the G League, but I think we kind of saw how that just didn't really translate to the NBA level, even against some lesser competition in the garbage time minutes. Uh, just kind of struggled to get by, guys. So not super surprised that he's looking for, you know, maybe a better opportunity in New York than he would have gotten with the Cavs. And I think, you know, his time with the Cavs just didn't go that well. Um Mac, are you surprised to see the Cavaliers cut ties with him at all? No, not to be honest with you, just because I think that Cleveland is trying to go into this offseason uh, with, you know, cleaning 
as much house as they can in regards to their reserves. Uh, we we kind of see, you know, barring any trades or anything, we kind of see what the core is. And guys like, you know, hopefully Sexton, you just don't know, you know, even him, uh, Garland, Okoro, Allen, you know, you could throw Nance in there, I suppose, if he's not traded. But everybody else, you know, really this whole roster is fair game. But when you get into the bench and especially the guards, everybody's, you know, we, we see Della Vadova make a transition to the NBL. Um, and for sure, the Cavs are probably going to look at some free agent additions as well as the draft. But as far as Martin is concerned, he just didn't warrant any type of deal, if you ask me. But, you know, I guess we'll have to see. Interesting choice yeah. by him to, to join the Knicks summer league. Play, this summer well, I league guess team, it's, it really is just kind of whatever opportunity you get. If you're him, uh, again, you'll just take you know any opportunity that is presented to you. I didn't think the Cavaliers were ever going to bring him back um, on a two-way. I, I understand the reasoning at the time, but it just really didn't work out with him. Um, yeah, it was overall, kind of like a flyer that they took it, it, that, That's a, Yeah, that's exactly right. It was it was a flyer more than anything else. Um and you're not going to hit on very many of those, and I can think it's fair to say that Jeremiah Martin, well, you know, nothing personal against him, did not really, you know, connect with this Cavs team as far as you know his play on the court. Um, so obviously, best of luck to him, um, Dan. Any any parting thoughts on the Jeremiah Martin Cavalier tenure? No, not really. Um, I liked it initially. Um, I, I liked this quickness. Uh, I liked kind of the flashes that were shown. Um, in kind of the bubble with the Nets, even though that was, I mean, they were kind of just throwing to the Wolves in a sense. Um, but I was, I kind of liked it initially. I'm not going to say I didn't, and I was wrong, but uh, I wonder if uh, Brandon Jennings is still hooping. I wonder. Um, obviously, it's been a good week for Brandon Jennings. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, <laughs> that, that. It has. <laughs> it has been a good week for Brandon Jennings. Uh Hey, you know what? Somebody get. We saw Michael Beasley get a summer league contract. Somebody give Brandon Jennings a summer league contract. I will say about that. He's earned I, it just by predictions alone. Just by predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bucks should just give him an honorary spot on their summer league team. I really don't see any reason not to. But um, I think that's enough about Jeremiah Martin, and nothing really more to say there. I just, it's, it is what it is. I just figured we should at least mention him. He's deserved. He deserves that much. But um. I want to talk a little bit more about Isaiah Hartenstein, who has turned down his player option for next season, basically a minimum player option of just over $1.8 million. Uh, kind of an interesting situation with Isaiah Hartenstein. And we have talked about him quite a bit over, you know, the past, you know, over the entire offseason, really, and even into the season as far as situations in which he would be back, situations in which he wouldn't be back. And uh, it's still not clear whether he will or will not be, uh, whether there will be a role for him, especially with, you know, it seeming more and more likely that this team does draft Evan Mobley. Um, but thinking about it more and more, we've kind of talked about, uh, you know, what a, what a re-signing might look for him, what his contract might look like. And the more I've thought about it, it, it really isn't going to be more in that 5-7 to seven range if it is with the Cavs, just because they are in kind of a difficult situation with him as to where they don't really have cap space this offseason, at least they're not projected to. Um, and because he signed the, the two-year-with-a-player-option deal with Denver this past offseason, they only have his non-bird rights, meaning that he can only get 120% raise on his previous salaries, which is just over, you know, a little bit over $2 million. So the Cavaliers, as far as spending options this offseason uh, and what they could bring him back on, they do have their biannual exception, uh, which is a small chunk of money that is, you know, 
given to teams who are far enough below the tax line or b- b- below the apron line rather. But um, that comes out to about three point seven million this year. Uh, they could offer a two year contract at about three point nine million next year. Uh, so you're basically looking at about seven point six five million over two years total. Uh, which is maybe not as much as we had anticipated him maybe getting from this team at the start. Um, but overall, and I'll start with you on this one, Mac, again, do you think that that kind of that level of money is enough for Isaiah Hartenstein? And do you think if it were at a value like that, it would be worth bringing him back even with Mobley in the fold? Yes, I do, and I say this because... Mobley is not going to be readily available to defend premier fives. Um, coming in, what is he listed at, 215? Um, you know, we, we have Allen, mm-hmm. obviously, mm-hmm. but off the bench, if we're going to try and, and kind of stagger Mobley's and Allen's minutes, assuming that's your starting lineup, uh, that they're both in the starting lineup, we would assume, if I'm not mistaken, that Mobley is going to eat a lot of those minutes at five up, or at least the, the Cavs would like to have him there. Uh, at least that's my thoughts on it. But mm-hmm. as as for you know re-signing Harnstein, I think he would be a great you know to to keep him in the fold would be great just because Mobley just ain't ready yet. You know he's got to put some weight on, and I, that's not going to happen over the course of one year. You know it might take a while, and, and even if you sign Isaiah to a deal like that, I think later on down the line it becomes movable. You know after year one. After year two, uh, he he is that to me. He's that skilled of a player, and he's still relatively young himself. Only just 22 years old, coming off a season with the Cavs, you know, and I think 16 games in which he had like 8.3 points and six rebounds. So he's to me, he's proven that he can be valuable in a particular role. And I just think if you're going to get rid of him, you better be able to be, better be able to bring in you know some type of veteran help that can, you know, eat a lot of those minutes up at the uh, at the backup center position because Mobley is just not ready yet for that. He is going to be terribly mismatched against guys like Joel Embiid, who are on nearly 300 pounds, and, you know, uh, to a lesser extent, even maybe a guy like AD who could really – it's just a mismatch for, for a lot of guys, no matter the size. I just – I think if, you, if you're going to move on from Hartenstein, then it's got to be for somebody who's proven – and I, I don't see many better options outside of who we already have in house in Hartenstein. I, I do agree with you on that. And, you know, we talk about obviously Mobley coming in and kind of complicating things a little bit. Um, even if you, your plan is to stagger Allen and Mobley's minutes at the five, um, you maybe want Mobley to take, you know, the majority of minutes at the backup five. I do agree with you in the sense that I don't know if he's entirely ready to play five. Um, at least in heavy in heavy doses and long you know spurts, um, and also I think it's important to have a guy who you can be there to play heavy minutes when needed. Uh, sure. Say one of those guys gets in foul trouble um, again, especially at the low cost that it's looking like they would have to be for the Cavs to bring him back. And like I don't think that, especially just because they can't offer him anything else, and it does seem like there is mutual interest between the two sides. Um, Having a guy at under four million dollars, you know, per season for two years—that's good value. I mean, yeah, that, that 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 would be, I think, terrific value for him. Um, I'm not sure what the market is going to be for him outside of Cleveland. Like, I think in the right situation, again, I think he could go for as much as five to seven million from a team. Maybe especially for teams who are looking for backup center help, who have maybe their tax player mid-level, which is about five point nine million. 
Like, maybe he goes for that for somewhere. Um, but maybe not. Again, he's young. He does get into foul trouble himself. But uh, I definitely think it would be worth it. Are you kind of in agreement there, Justin? Do you think kind of along the same lines is just, especially under that sort of level of cost control, having just a third center in the fold is worth it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's a really good rebounder, and he's already, uh, I mean, he has the body of a rim protector. And I do think that the Cavs will be able to get him at uh, relatively less expensive price because, I mean, if you look at some of the group of, of the center free agents out there this year, there's a lot of, like, interesting names, and uh, I feel like they'd pop up before uh, Hartenstein would, so I think the Cavs have a really good chance to bring him back. And like, like, like Max said, I, I mean, there's a role for him on the Cavs right now, so, yeah, why not try and bring him back? Yeah, I mean, and obviously there are other free agents they could look for, for, you know, maybe veteran help if they weren't able to bring back Hartenstein. But especially, like, if the guy you're looking at right now is Kevin Gailey, I think bringing back Hartenstein would definitely be worth it. Um, I guess we'll, we'll just kind of circle that back around to you, Dan. Do you think that... Do you think that Hartenstein would have enough importance and have a big enough role, uh, even with Mobley and Allen, to where he would want to come back on a contract like that? Or do you think he could get more elsewhere? Um, I think he could maybe get more elsewhere. Um, potentially teams like Charlotte or... Uh, uh, theoretically, the Raptors maybe. Um, the, the other question that I do have, though, is wouldn't you rather, uh, I mean, the implication would be, wouldn't you rather it just be some of the MLE, like non-taxpayer MLE, and given that they wouldn't be able to sign like a wing shooter if they use the set exception? You're talking about which exception? Sorry. I'm just saying, like, you wouldn't be able to use the MLE if they use the McGee exception. Well, for the McGee exception, like, you can't re-sign somebody with the JaVale McGee. That would be more for a trade. But, um, sorry, I was I was looking away from my computer there for a minute. But overall, like, I, I definitely do think that, again, Toronto is a good team to where if they're looking just... I, I think there's somebody else that would be a suitor and... I mean, I, I like Hartenstein, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like go above and beyond just to keep him around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and again, like I don't think the Cavs have the means. The, the point I'm trying to make is kind of that the Cavaliers really just don't have the means to go above and beyond to bring back right. Hartenstein at this point. Like the that's only other option that they guy. have to pay him is the mid-level exception, which again I think is the plan is to to use that on other guys. So I am. I'm just saying, like. Here. Do you think that they could use maybe like two and a half or three million of that set exception? Of the mid level on Hardenstein? Yeah, like could they like could he just be signed with two and a half of that? Ooh, well at that point I think <laughs> if you're gonna sign him for two and a half, I think you would rather just use the biannual and give the whole three point seven. Is he going to go for that, though, is the question. Uh, That's what I'm saying, yeah. Is Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of... I, I don't think that that low of a number, like, at that point, why would he even opt out? Why wouldn't he just opt into his $1.8 million player option yeah, if he's going to take yeah. that low? <laughs> I'd, yeah, yeah, be a, yeah I guess, the, yeah, that's fair, but... Overall, it will be interesting to see what happens with Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah, for me, um, but it's just... wouldn't you not be able to use like the 
non-taxpayer at all if you gave him that. No, you can you can split that up among pe- different players. It's just like if whatever you use on Isaiah Hartenstein, if you were to use the taxpayer mid level or the non-taxpayer mid level, you wouldn't be able to give that whatever amount you give to him to another person. So say you're trying to sign TJ McConnell and it takes the full mid level, you're not going to be able to give him the full mid level if you give him, you know, part of your mid level. So, I mean, and there's no point to give him a smaller amount of your mid level. Um, if you have the biannual available to you, unless you just want to save the biannual for next year, which it, I think if you have the opportunity to keep Hartenstein around now, that's more valuable than thinking that maybe we can use this $4 million on something next year. But um, either way, it will be interesting to see what happens with Hartenstein. Um, I think if they were to lose him, it obviously wouldn't be the end of the world. But uh, there, are, there are situations, I think, where he is brought back. Um, and it's looking like if he is brought back at this point, it'll be at a pretty good price tag. So... Uh, I personally would not be surprised to see him back. Um, I do kind of want to talk just a little bit about Jared Allen, too, because obviously the Cavs offered him the qualifying offer. Um, And, Justin, I want to start here with you, uh, just because, again, I haven't really gotten to hear your thoughts as much about Jared Allen as a player. What is the highest, I'll say, annual salary mark that you would be comfortable giving Jared Allen in free agency? Uh... What what did they offer him? Didn't they offer, like, uh, over $100 Well, the rumor is that it was probably around five years, $100 million. Um, and that's not actually been offered yet. That was just a reported thing uh, during the season. But would you be comfortable giving him a $20 million a year salary? Uh, I mean, personally, I would rather give it to him than Colin Sexton. Um, but it also seems like now they're, not, they're just not going to give Colin Sexton one. I do – I mean, but back to the question, I do think he warrants it. I really think that when you're at the point of a, a rebuilding that the Cavs are uh, – I mean, Okoro has been good, Sexton has been good, Garland has been good, and everything like that. But you kind of just need a building block out there, and I think that's a lot. It's a lot harder to find like a defensive rim protector that has that shows like promise on the offensive end than it is just to find a score uh, through the draft or free agency. So I, I think he's worth it, and I, I like I said, I would much rather them give him the money than Colin Sexton, um, and I, I just think uh, pairing like. I've said before, I, I'm not a huge fan of Evan Mobley, but I think a pairing of him in the front court with Jared Allen would it would help him out help him out a lot as well. So uh, I I do think he'd be worth that. And like I said, I think it's just a he's just a better building block than um, Colin Sexton is right now. That's certainly a take. Uh, I'm not going to say I necessarily agree with it 100, percent but it is a take, and I respect that. Um, Dan, I know we kind of talk about this a lot, but periodically it may change a little bit in your eyes. And um, I think maybe there are some reports later that, you know, maybe, you know, some people would be a little bit more hesitant to give them, you know, maybe that high in the 20 million range. Um, as of right now, what is the highest mark that you'd be comfortable offering him with? I'd say 22. Um, I just think he's 23. I, I, I'm with Justin. I think there's. More there that's untapped in the offensive end. I just, he's most of his career has not been in a situation where he's been able to have like more of an offensive role. And I think the, the he showed real posts of promise last season. And I, I understand that a lot of people don't really think posts ups are that uh, meaningful anymore. I, I don't buy that. I mean, it's it's better to have it than not. And I think he shows for about eight. Eight, seven, eight feet he can make is effective with both hands um, on push shots going toward the rim and also on kind of 
quasi-jump hooks. I think he has that. Um, and, and there's been flashes of uh, spot-up potential. I think there, that that's real, I think. I mean, he's a fairly respectable foul shooter. and I mean, the shot isn't... I mean, it's not the cleanest stroke in the world, but I think it's, over time, something you can work with with him. And, and the Cavs um, player development staff has done a nice job with other guys in that way. So um, I, I buy it, and, and I think there's a lot there. Maybe not. I mean, he's not going to be a guy I'm just going to say that's going to put up, like, 17 a game right off the bat. But I think he's going to be a valuable player uh, for a long time. And I just think, it, as Justin alluded to, I mean, the security aspect from Mobley's end as well. Um, if you don't bring him back, I think that automatically just makes a hole un- that's unnecessary. Mac, we'll finish up with you. I- I'm going to say that my cutoff number right now is more in the 20 mil range. Um, like I think if you were to get offered more from another team, which I don't know if they would get that high, maybe you consider inching it up a little bit. But as far as just the number that I feel 100% comfortable with, I still think I would be comfortable offering him 20 million. Again, uh, I think once you're getting into all of these extensions and still having Kevin Love on the books right now, um, you know, factoring in Collins' extension next year, which hopefully he's still around, um, when it comes to just those couple million dollars, it doesn't matter as much when you're already, you know, that far over the cap. Um, and obviously you do have tax concerns at that point as well, which I do understand. But um, I will say that 20 is the mark that I am 100% comfortable giving him. Mac, we'll finish up with you. If you had to choose just one number that you'd – feel totally comfortable offering, like the highest number that you would be totally comfortable offering Jared Allen in restricted free agency? Uh, for me, yeah, it'd be that 20, maybe even 21, uh, depending upon, you know, how you work the contract. But I'll tell you this, to, to Dan's point, I think if you didn't and, you know, you're expecting Mobley to kind of step in at, immediately at the five, I think you really just created a problem for yourself more than anything. So that's number one for me. Uh, so, yeah, that 20 to $21 million range, I'd be willing to pay him. If you're going into the next season or two with a smallish backcourt like Garland and Sexton, it helps to have, you know, a front court that is, you know, that specializes in playing defense predominantly. You have Okoro who's blossoming into a two-way guy, hopefully. You have Mobley who, who has immense potential. Uh, most people predict and you have Allen who you know he he's an excellent defender and rebounder in his own right and has shown some semblance of an offensive game you know from outside 15 feet but I just I think that when you're talking about planning for these extensions down the line you know whatever they do with the Sexton which is a completely different conversation um, Garland you know and then ultimately a Coro and you have you still have love on the books you and you have a couple other contracts that you have to worry about. Are you going to bring back Hartenstein like we talked about? Are you going to re-sign Prince or use him as more of like a a trade bait? You know, it, there's there's just so much to to figure in with this with this salary cap situation with Cleveland. It, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what kind of decisions are made uh, by, by Kobe and company. But I think for Allen, you don't want to go for for a big man of his archetype who cannot hit a consistent three-pointer, I don't think you really need to be going above that uh, 20 to $21 million range. Yeah, I agree with you. And it is a complex situation just because, you know, again, you mentioned you really just want to lose that. And if you have to bite the bullet, if a team like, you know, Charlotte or Toronto or even, you know, San Antonio, we could just say it, getting wild with it, 
Um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how they react. I'm not sure that you know any of those teams would be offering him that much. I, yeah, I, I guess my question for you guys, you know, anybody can answer this is. Do, is do you think anybody values him that high? You know, we talk about Sexton's value, but yeah. Allen, you know, do you think anybody outside of Cleveland values him values him at twenty million and up? Well, I think it's an interesting question, just because we haven't really seen what other teams would be rumored to offer him. Uh, obviously, we have like the kind of again that five for one hundred uh, thing that Fedor kind of floated, but I don't really know if we've seen anything from other teams. Obviously, we know other teams have interest, but uh, I'll, I'll kind of let that over to you, Justin. Do you think? Other teams value, I guess. Do, do other teams value Jared Allen as high as as Cleveland does? I, I think most teams would probably value him right around the twenty twenty one million um, mark. I mean, he's still young, and like I said, he's a he shows promise on the offensive end, kind of like everyone said. Um, I would think that the Cavs would probably overpay for him a little bit if it, it came to that, just because, like I said, I think they want a building block to go off of. Um, but I, I would say probably somewhere in the 20 to 21, 22 million range. Yeah, the, the, the kid's only 22 years old. Which is crazy because he's been in the league for five ye- or four years, five years. Right. Dan, do you think another team – do you think other teams value him as highly as the Cavs do? Do you think that there could be one of those offers out there that, you know, maybe the, makes the Cavaliers think twice about it? Or do you think that they'll be pretty much – comfortable matching anything do you think that we're even going to get i mean we don't really know right now we, other teams you know the the raptors the hornets might not even offer anything close to 20 they might be more in the 15 range where they have interest we don't know yet but do you where do you think those teams will kind of end up as far as their interest in i mean I, I just look at charlotte i think that's the one i just think with the pick and roll possibilities with him and lamello um uh, and also i think he'd fit well uh with uh, their shooters, I think he'd fit well with Gordon Hayward, who's a really good passer. Um, and I think he can fit in the kind of like up-tempo style that they want to really um, like kind of hitch hitch on with. I think that's the team that I look at. Would there be any possibility for a sign-and-trade with any of these teams if it came down to that? I haven't really thought about it a ton. And I'm not Terry really sure Rozier maybe? In. Maybe Terry Rozier? Um, what is he making? Like, what is it, 18? Would you take Gordon Hayward back? I don't think that the Hornets even considered bringing Gordon Hayward back. But it also it does get tricky with the Cavs and Jared Allen for a sign-and-trade just because you're probably getting into base your compensation then, which complicates all sign-and-trades that you know it applies to. Yeah, but, I don't um, think that's, that's happening this go-around. No, it's probably with not. Him. Again, they could work something out, but... I, I think that they would just let him walk before they would even try to figure out a sign-and-trade with him. Um, especially, I, I think Charlotte clearly values Gordon Hayward enough uh, yep. to where, to where they, I don't think that they would consider that. And I, I don't think Rozier this go-around, I don't think they... I mean, considering the past sign-and-trade with, with him, I, I don't think... Mm-hmm. I think they value him too highly. And, and the problem is, I, I like Allen a lot, as, as you guys have touched on. He... he has shown flashes offensively, but I just I don't think other teams see it as like given his style. I don't think like they're gonna go over overboard on a side and trade get, just because he is pretty limited offensively. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's as you touched on. I mean, the, the lack of shot with consistency is the issue. Yeah, you're not for for a guy who his his play style more back to the basket big than anything. I don't even really know if he is basket. 
back to the basket and necessarily it's like pretty much like a classic roll roll and cut big i'll agree with that yeah i was yeah, gonna say rim runner lob threat you know like yeah. i feel like you said cuts rolls more than a post up he, he's in there he's in there with clint capella and you know i don't i don't see him breaking the bank over that 20 to 20 million dollar range uh, 21 million dollar range just for for the Cavs to go over that really for any team i think would be just kind of a step backwards when you're talking about roster construction moving forward yeah, yeah and i think one thing you have to consider with Clint Capella is he is older too than you know Allen is at the time of getting this extension. Um, I think clearly for Clint it has paid off. Like I think he's he's proven that that is a good value for him. I uh, I think he is clearly a better player than Jared Allen right now as well. But um, it will be interesting to see just because again there is more theoretical upside with Allen just because he is a few years younger than Capella. But I, I am kind of with you, Macus, where I, I don't know if there are going to be teams and. Pretty much, I, I do doubt that there are other teams out there that are going to get that crazy with offers towards Jared Allen. Like Again, it depends on how much cap space you have, but if you're going to go that crazy with Jared Allen, why not just throw a, mass at, a, a max at John Collins or somebody? You know, with, I think, even more upside than a, than a Jared Allen. But <laughs> we kind of talked a little bit about... What were you saying, Dan? Can I just say, do you think there's any possibility... That, I mean, obviously, there have to be kind of an implication with Sexton, probably in a, some other corresponding move. But do you think there's any possibility of, like, an Allen and Gary Trent sign a trade, like, at all? Just given Not that really. they could very well draft Ooh. Jalen Suggs. That's the only reason I say that. Oh, man. I, I like I'm going to say Trent, no. I like Gary Trent, but not that I don't much. think there is, but. I'm going to say no to that. Um, I think that, one, the Raptors still value Gary Trent quite a bit. I agree. Um, they do. Yeah. One, I, one I'm going to say no to that. One thing's for certain, you know, if the presumpt pick is Mobley, then the Cavs are going to have somewhat of a log jam in that four to five spot. They got a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of things to figure out rotation wise. So I do not envy JB. <laughs> well, I do want to get into trades a little bit just because um, I kind of have been over the past couple of days coming up with a few of my own. Uh, maybe with that kind of JaVale McGee trade exception that they have, for 4.2, just maybe a couple guys they could target with that. But before we get into that, I kind of want to talk just a little bit about a trade that uh, Dan came up with a while ago, and we just haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast. But I figured it would be good more so for a discussion against this, or like uh, about this, rather. Um, I was against the trade. Dan, I know you liked it a little bit more than I did, but um, I'll kind of just let you go ahead here and make your case to start off with it. Um, your your Larry Nance trade uh, with the Pacers. Um, do you mind if I ask Justin's opinions first? First, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, just okay. just explain the trade, like what what you have going in and out for each team. Um, yeah, Justin. So the trade was um, the sent the Cavs sent Larry Nance Jr. Uh, Dylan Windler, and then uh, I think it was uh, like a 2023 two. Um, for T.J. Warren. So that's the trade. Just kind of your thoughts on that is a possibility. Larry Nance, Windler, and a second-round pick for T.J. Warren. Like a future two, essentially. Yeah, why was there some – why wouldn't you do that? That's that's my that's my thought. I mean, that, I mean, my thought is that Larry that's Nance the, that, That's player. incredibly one-sided. Like, I, I – Well, he, the, the reasoning is he barely played last season and – is is going to be an expiring guy. That's that's the thought. 
I mean, but I, I mean, and I thought that Larry Nance is just flat out better as a player than T.J. Warren. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he is, and I. It, I mean, if you're really, like, obviously you're going to be banking on the fact that he's coming off an injury and hopefully that he performs at least up into, like, at the level he did before he was hurt or somewhere near that. So, in reality, if you're just giving away Nance and Windler, who I don't know if uh, Windler will ever, like, see an NBA court ever again. And then a second-round pick in 2023, I mean, that's that's nothing. That's nothing. So, that's just my opinion, though. That's my opinion, too. So, Mac? I guess one more uh, thought that I, I, I kind of have with it as well, or sorry, Mac, is just go ahead, that, go, go ahead, I mean, we go talk ahead. about clearing the forward log jam. You're trading a forward for a forward, which, again, like if that's the goal, you're not accomplishing that. So I guess it does come down to how you value the two as players. But, Mac, I am interested to hear what you have to say. I like Warren. I had a family member recently. <laughs> you guys oh, yeah, I saw this. this. I saw this. And, you know, kind of poke around at a trade. It was a bad trade. It was the number three pick. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I was I was humoring him and seeing what Twitter's reaction would be, and it was not good. <laughs> there were some people on there saying, "Hey, if you can get T.J. Warren, get him because he's that good of a player." But I wouldn't get him for the third overall pick. Now Larry Nance and Dylan Windler in a pick, it, it would be worth consideration. But I'll tell you why I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it because you're going to look at that starting lineup, and obviously, you know, if you're drafting Mobley, you're going to start him at four. If you're re-signing Allen, you're going to start him at five. I'm really high on Isaac Okoro. That's the only guy's position. You're not You're not going to convince T.J. Warren to come off the bench. So you're going to have to bump Okoro down uh, you know, to a bench role, which ne- wouldn't necessarily be a terrible thing for him because he's still developing offensively and, could, and he could work against twos. But in that starting unit, I just think the experience that he's been able to gain – it, to me, it's invaluable, and it, it's helped expedite him in regards to his development. Now, at the, and at the cost of Larry Nance to do it, I'm just I'm not for it. You know, Larry, although he's he he has started to develop the label of injury prone, and you know I'm sure all of us are aware of that now. He is still a very highly impactful defender, not to mention playmaker. He's probably the Cavs' second best playmaker when healthy. You know, beside Darius Garland. So I, I'm for Windler. I agree with Justin's point. I don't think that uh, this guy's just made of glass. I, I don't think he'll ever be able to see a court again. I think he's really going to end up being end up being traded, if not this season, uh, sometime the next off season. I, I don't see him returning to a uh, a reserve role. We well, know I think they're going to turn down his team option. I don't even know if he's going to be like under contract next year. Exactly, and you know, I don't think he gets to see any play time. You know, I think his time he he had a shot, and unfortunately, injury the injury gods did not favor him, <laughs> so it's not going to work out for him. But hey, just hey. just to make a long story short, I just I like the I like the idea of acquiring Warren, but not at that cost, and not at what it would do, what it would make the the cast potentially have to do with a guy, with a guy like Isaac Okoro. Yeah, it doesn't solve your forward logjam problem. Uh, you're going to have to pay T.J. Warren after the season a decent amount as to where you have Larry Nance not only making less money this season, but also making that less money next, or making even less money than he is now next season. Right, and um, if you're if, if you're going to bring on Warren, then I'm assuming you're probably not going to hand a lot of money towards Colin. I mean, it's definitely going to get more complicated because you're going to have to have both of their extensions if you're going to again re-sign T.J. 
next season. Um, and to, you're going to have to pay, I think, just too much money there. Um, and, again, I'm not entirely convinced that T.J. Warren is that much better of a player than, than Larry Nance. Obviously, he had a great showing in the bubble. Yes. Uh, they both dealt with quite a few injury problems last year. Uh, T.J. Warren more so than, than Larry Nance, missing, missing games-wise. And that's my um, thing with Warren because Warren, you know, he stood up for four games, four games last season, 15 and a half points. You know, that bubble thing, the, the, the whole bubble portion of Warren was, was amazing. And it was, we haven't yeah, seen was. anything like that. It was, it was really incredible to watch. But four-game sample size the following season outside of the bubble, is, to me, is just not enough to say that he's above, you know, that, that he'd be worth trading Larry Nance for. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I mean, it, it is very different skill sets as well. If you're looking more for, um, I think they're both fairly versatile defenders. I think that Larry is a considerably better defender. But um, if you're looking more for just the on-ball creation, the shooting, the scoring ability, maybe you do favor, you know, favor TJ a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, but um, a team. I, I think the is... defensive, the playmaking, the rebounding. I think you you favor Larry, and I think again, just in the financial situation this team is in, Larry just provides more value. I, I agree too, but it also conversely, I think TJ would, you know, we, we talk a lot about how the Cavs are devoid of, you know, shot creators. And, you know, I guess he would solve that, you know, a, a big portion of their problems there, but I, I just don't know. And you know, Mac, and here's the thing, that. do you know who his minutes he's going to take? Who? And he is better than Tarian Prince. I'm not saying that he's not, but he is taking Tarian Prince's minutes. Um, so, you know, maybe you can say Larry Nance, but like, you're playing him over these guys to where, right. like, Tarian is another shot creator who, you know, you're not probably going to play both of them a ton if you have both of them and Evan Mobley and Dean Wade is still there and Kevin Love is still there. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I don't think, you can't play all of these guys. I think you need to find a way to get some of these guys out of here to Yes, you have give, got to consolidate. Well, expanded roles. That's you, the caveat is that there's other ramifications along with it. I'm not saying there's not. But I, I was just throwing it out there just because I, I don't think it would – I mean, I think there's a possibility there could be a depleted value for him, given that the Pacers could very well draft a wing as well. So, I don't know, I was just thinking at, at this point, I just think that the Cavs are, might have to move Nance. I, I just – I think that given Wade, what Wade showed last season, I'm not saying the guy's like a – and that's Knocked another guy shooter, we didn't talk about. We did I not just, talk about him at all. <laughs> I just question if Larry can ever be consistently healthy. And, I mean, offensively, I, I, I think his shot has been far better. But it's, I don't know. I just think with Okoro, I mean, I, I like the guy. I don't want his progression to be stunted. But I, I just think it with Warren, it might be a guy that you can play the 3-1 season see if he can kind of build on that kind of last Phoenix season and or the Indy season. I mean, I, I don't know. You might be able to get a 20-point-a-game score potentially, kind of like a primary shot creator guy for you. But, again, obviously there's the ramifications of the Sexton. But, um, I don't know, just something to consider. I get I get both sides of the coin here, though. Uh, yeah. I, can I ask a quick question, just from all for all three of you? Is like, Absolutely. what are what are your expectations for the Cavs next year? Well, I, for to play to, play to get better game. and play for the play in play in game. I think to me is the the 
the bottom line for me is playing at least contending for the 10th seed and above is because you, you have all these young guys. You're going to bring in another young talent. You're possibly going to acquire some veteran guard or possibly center. You, you really – we're at the point now where the development portion of the rebuild needs to start, you know, taking a backseat to the progress uh, in regards to wins. And I think JB's job – and to be quite candid, Kobe's as well is going to really highly depend upon how many games the Cavs win this next season. I don't think they have I, the luxury anymore. Yeah, I, I'm with Mac on that. I think it starts – I'm not saying that it's not about development next season, but I think it starts becoming less about development and more about actually winning games this coming season. Yeah. I, I guess mean, I'll answer that. I mean, I just have to say from my point of view, I mean, that's crazy. Like you think this group Why? of team, you, you think this group with Evan Mobley can compete for the playing game, and then even like what's the point in competing for the playing game? Does this team have enough going forward without maybe a lottery pick next year to make make the actual playoffs? Because I don't think so. I, I don't think I they're going to. I think gonna that go- Sexton, Garland, Mobley, Allen, Larry Nance is enough think, with yeah. again a solid complementary players. There is Depends a lot on how you view the core, it. but like I mean health. Health had a lot of reason to do with why the Cavs only won as many games as they did this past season. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of factors in regards to this, but I think yeah, absolutely. If you're if you don't trade Sexton, um, you know, and Garland continues on the progression trend that he has, the Coral continues to develop. You you know you get Mobley in the door and you've re-signed Allen with the core. You know that that's your core five. Yeah, right I don't starting. know if. Another late lottery pick tips the scales on that. No, and, and if you're yeah. going to look at what we have now and say we're not even close, having a late lottery pick isn't going to do anything to change that. No. Which and, is and, my exact point for why I want them to be terrible again next year. Well, I mean that's that's to me. I, that's I, I, I completely I completely agree that, I, that that's the Philadelphia 76ers like way in the like it's the process. Uh, I mean, I, I guess my my thing is like even if you look at that core group of players, so you're saying Garland, Sexton, Okoro. Mobley and Allen like Mm -hmm. in three or four years you think that group is going to be able to compete for like the Eastern Conference Championship a lot has to shake out I mean things have to play the right way but I'm not going to say that it's like completely out of the realm of possibility to 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 Justin's point I'll say this Uh, you have to be banking on a lot in order to really consider this team to be a true contender that is true but also, I think that can be said about any situation. Yeah, though. yeah. Conversely, though, to me, if you're going to, you know, say this season, this upcoming season is is fine to be able to quote unquote tank or you know just another season of development, you're still going to run into the same problems that you are that you have now. You're going to have to figure out what you're going to do with Sexton, assuming you haven't already resigned him. You're gonna that could set you back. You know, if you're you're hoping to hit on another, you know, guard like him. You know, these guys coming up in the draft, they're always, while they have high potential, they're always question marks until they step onto an NBA court. So I think the progression that we've shown, you know, in various areas, areas, you know, I know everybody has a different opinion on Colin, and, and that's fine. You know, we, we tend to think a lot that Darius Garland has the higher potential between those two. You know, at least a lot of people share that, that, that point of view. Um, and, and, and we've seen flashes from Okoro. No, I don't think this team is going to be, to answer your question, I don't think they're going to be contending for the Eastern Conference 
uh, you know, champion or at least the, the Eastern Conference favorites anytime soon. But I think that they can, for me, progress next season constitutes the playoff game and no less than that. It, it You can look at it as, you know, all or nothing. You know, if you're not contending, then what are you doing? I get that. Yeah, no, but, that's what that's my whole point is like, I, I agree. You guys are probably and I'm sure 100 percent of like people who really follow the I mean, you guys are 100 percent right. I just look at the NBA rebuilding way differently. Like, I just think if you don't have it with this core group of players, you got to blow it up before you get too far along. So, like I said, you guys are probably all very much right, and that's why I am always, like, the odd man out in these podcasts because I think like that. So, uh, yeah. You're I mean, playing like I a s- very, very dangerous game. I'll say this. You're playing a very, very dangerous game if – you are just going to continue to blow it up each time it doesn't look like you're on the track yeah. to where like, you have multiple future superstars. Especially because, for I mean, a small market team. For a small market team and for a team in which we've seen with the Cavs, lottery luck is a real thing, and they got it this year. And yeah. if you're a bottom two team again next year, and you're going to say we're going to bottom out and finish with, let's just say, the third best record, or the third worst record, rather, you're not in any way, shape, or form guaranteed to get a top pick. Yeah. So I think, you know, is you guys, this team, as currently constructed, let's say with Mobley, built to be a championship team? We yeah. don't know that answer, and it's probably no. We don't know what Mobley's development <laughs> We know that be. answer. We're just not going to say yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, you, you guys honestly... We're not going to say it. We're going to be nice here. We're, we're an optimistic podcast. Wait, but um, you guys again, say, it depends you guys... on the development of Mobley. It depends on the development of other guys. And you're going to have to, you know, rely on lucky breaks just like every other team does. Maybe you're in a position a couple years from now where you have, you know, Colin Sexton on extension, Jared Allen on extension. Um, You know, Garland is looking like a legit guy. Evan Mobley is looking like a legit guy. And maybe you can use some of those other complementary pieces in the same way that the Suns did this year to trade for whatever Chris Paul is available at yeah, that yeah. time or whatever else. I mean, yeah, like, I'm not saying that this core as currently constructed is enough to win, but if you're going to say that you should blow it up over saying that you can just kind of continue to build slowly and get all these pieces together and then hopefully you have enough of them hit and others that hit well enough that you can kind of hit that accelerate button at the re- at the right time and maybe take that kind of jump like they did by acquiring the Kawhi Leonard, the you know again, the the Chris Paul whoever it may be at the time. I think that's the best way to play it. And I think for you to blow it up now and just kind of hope that you can get another one of those guys, another Mobley, whatever it may be, and just bottom out. The other thing that you have to consider here is that Colby Altman, as good of a job as I think he's done, even you know though he has made some mistakes, you are seriously... You're like, putting a lot of hope in him making another... You're putting a lot of hope that he can not only get another you know pick right, but if this team loses games next year, he probably gets fired. Look, That's dude, just the way that Cleveland, it, yeah. you know, fans and media have pushed it. Um, it's the way that Dan Gilbert seems to view it. He needs for his career, for his job, to start winning games. And if you're now going to say, and the same thing happened with Sam Hinkie, um, and they brought in Brian Colangelo, who kind of messed some things up. Typically, guys like that, that just, just don't keep, get it. Yeah. They don't get the mm-hmm. time to see their their product no. fully you know, start to mature and, and it starts to see so the progress. Not, not only are you going to be relying on all of these outside factors, but you're going to be relying on another GM to finish the job. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, I just... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I also think there's two or three transcending uh, players coming up in the next couple of years. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I said, and you, you better guys are... hope that you can get them because there is far from any guarantee that you will, even if you bought them out. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys should have just said the Timberwolves and you would have beat my argument already. <laughs> I, I already beat my, I beat my own I beat my own argument just thinking about it for myself. So yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, I just you know I, my my final thought on that is just you know I don't think anybody saw Atlanta as a team being able to do as much as they did this season. Yeah, they signed they had some great additions and they've they've hit on a lot of their draft picks in the recent years, but you know and then conversely you you look at a team like New York, the Knicks who just came out of nowhere. And a lot of that had to do with Julius Randle's, you know, outburst. But I think there's a precedent for this team to have some serious uh, serious progress in the wins department. I, you're not going to be a championship contender overnight. You may not even be contending in the Eastern Conference when you talk about some of the behemoths that are in the Eastern Conference now. But I think that uh, the progress is definitely going to be made. And if not, then sad to see JB and Kobe Altman go, but that's what needs to happen. I think for me, it's progress would be kind of in that. Um, I think health will have a big, I mean, that's a key part of it, but I think if they're able to get in the 33, 34 win range to me, um, in a normal season, I think about that realm, you have a shot at the plan. I think that's about what you're looking at. Um, but again, we'll have to see what happens with Kevin Love, things like that. Uh, they do need to get. I mean, it, it. It's between to me either they go back a point guard or like kind of that sharpshooting wing type kind of bench spurt guy um, has got to be like a key target for him in free agency. It's, I feel like they either have to get one or the other in free agency and kind of trade for the other if possible i think that that those are two things that are i mean it it would help a core out i understand it might take some minutes back a little bit but i think getting like they're going to need to get like i i just i don't know if you can bank on torian torian to be healthy and if you can use him to get a like to me i like ricky rubio as a target i understand he probably i mean he has his words i get it but i think that is like the type of guy that they need Sure. And I think they could very well aspect. do so. Let me but ask you this, that's, Dan. That's what I'm looking at. I got my my question for you is, you know, of those play-in teams from last season, Boston was the top at seven and the seven seed. They won 36 games. Below them, Washington 34, Indiana 34, Charlotte 33. I think, well, it was also 10 games less. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true, and I mean that will definitely have an effect on the records next season. But assuming that the the, the same type of record is had, you know, whether it be like in a forty game range, you know, for the play in teams, or somewhere around that thirty eight, thirty nine win mark mm-hmm. for those four teams, I think that's definitely attainable. But you know, the the East is getting better. You know, Toronto. You got to figure it's got to be about five hundred is what you got to be. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I guess my my question for, for you would be who who do you think that they could bump out? I mean, the, the Eastern Conference is getting better. You know, Toronto is not going to finish. I don't think in the lottery again. Um, Chicago, you know, who knows what's going to happen with them? And you know, <laughs> Detroit's getting Cade. You know, although we don't know. What uh, what his first year is going to go like, but the, the Eastern Conference is definitely getting better. Yeah, yeah I, I still don't think that Detroit has enough. I think there's a lot to be seen with Chicago. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I on think that. there's a lot to be seen with Washington. 
Yeah. Uh, and obviously that's only three teams, but you're kind of magic. in that mix then with the well the Magic too or the Magic. That's another team. That you Are we sure about Charlotte too? Are we? I, I, that's I another team. Like you, you might not be a hundred percent sure. Because Gordon Charlotte. Hayward, like, you think, never know. I I think Lamilla Ball is the real deal. I think. I feel like know, we're not going to know with him though. Have, too. Yeah, they have the. I mean, he's kind of made. Makeup. He's going to be kind of made of glass. He got hurt in the NBL too. Yeah, that's true. They, I mean, he's always going to really be a caveat thin. with him. Like really, really thin. Like that dude needs to put on legitimately fifteen pounds. And I guess <laughs> to be the, the to be I... durable. I'm saying, like long term, he's gonna he's gonna miss twenty games a season. Yeah. I, really? the, the overall point I want to make is even say that they do finish outside of the play next year, they need to at least show that like they are a team that legitimately could have been there and that didn't bottom out like they did this season and just kind of have the wheels fall off. If they are, you know, consistently fighting, even in, in again, like I said, if they don't make it and it's clear that like there are a, a bunch of other good teams right now. Like there, there are teams at the top that are kind of a veteran-laden teams that, you know, in, let's say, just, for example, three years, might not be in those positions that they're in right now. Again, looking at the Bulls, like, yes, they, they might be able to lock up Zach Levine long-term, but with Nick Vucevic, you know, we don't Nothing. know how much longer, you know, that team is going to be anything. Um, look at the Nets. We don't know how much longer... You know they're going to be serious contenders. Obviously, even oh, three years from contenders. now, all of those guys are going to be really, really good. But they're all pretty old. And are we? Are we something always real. happens with these. I mean, they, and they are. And I'm not saying that they're not. But I'm not saying that one of those guys couldn't be somewhere else in a few years because those types of things happen over three years. Um, I'm also and, not sure. You know, about injuries the can be. We're not sure about the Knicks. Um, uh, you know, there are good young teams in the in the East, but I'm not. I mean, look at the Bucks. I mean, again, I'm not saying that the Bucks won't be there in three years, but again, you have some guys that are getting older there. That you know, I guess the Bucks aren't that great of an example because I still think they'll be there in a couple of years. But I mean, there, yeah, there are teams yeah. that you know you can see them over the course of a few years. Again, if things break right for them, and if things break wrong for a couple other teams to where they can be right in that mix over the next you know let's just say three years, they're a playoff team, and from there. Again, if you can have just one fortunate playoff run that shows that you're in a good situation, and then from there you get, you know, that one player to kind of you know build off of, and maybe you trade for a star at that point, and that's how you become a title contender. And obviously, it is a very, very, very long shot. But I think the, the, the Cavs are I, I one guess my Chris overarching, ball away. <laughs> <laughs> they're one Chris ball away. But I, think, I guess my overall just overarching thought is like, yes, any title hopes for this team are a long shot, but I feel like that's the case with any team. And you kind of have to just kind of keep building slow and hope that one of those opportunities presents itself. Even if this team isn't a playing team next year, if they just show that progress and show that like you know they're not the team that they were this past season, where like things could really fall apart fast, I think that'll be good enough. So, do you guys want to give Dennis Schroeder 150 million over five years? That's that's what he wants. Hell no. Why not? No. Give him 200. I mean, this this that's an actual report from Chris Haynes. Like is is I'll have what he's having. That's all I'm going to say to that. And the Bulls are interested. Bulls are interested, by the way. Sure they are. Sure they are. I just saw uh, that. They I'd are rather, AK I'd man. Trade AD for Dame than do that. Somebody <laughs> needs to take an AK to his head. I like. I'm, I think that was a forced pun, <laughs> okay. but but I don't know what what it, his what is wrong with him. Honestly, 
Yeah, I don't know either. Dennis Schroeder seems like kind of an odd guy. He's but, um, confident. That's all. <laughs> he's he's very confident. That's that's one way to he's say up it. There with Dion Waiters um, in the confidence department. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we're gonna wrap it up here with just a little bit of draft talk. Obviously, this is the last episode that we will have recorded before the draft, and I think for the most part, I think we kind of have a good sense that Mobley's going to probably be here. Uh, there were reports today that the Pistons still haven't made up their minds. Um, even if they weren't to take Cade, I think they're taking Jalen Green, and then Houston takes Cade. Um, I don't think either team ahead of the Cavs are going to trade out of their spot. Uh, I don't think the Cavs are going to be able to trade up. And I think Mobley is the pick. Um, and, Justin, I kind of just want to start on you just because, again, uh, I want to get some fresh takes in here. Where are you at with the Cavs right now drafting Mobley? Um, is that something that you are happy with? I know that you said you were kind of a Jalen Green guy more so, but... Um, what are kind of just your overall views on Mobley as a player, as a prospect, and uh, do you like his fit here? Overall, do you just do you think that he is going to be? Are you going to be happy with the pick when it is made? Uh, I don't think you really have a choice to be happy or not. Yeah, I really wanted Jalen Green, but that doesn't seem to happen. Uh, I've come around on Mobley. Um, he, I think his shooting is is going to develop better than a lot of people think, and I think by like halfway through his rookie season, he'll be able to extend outside the three-point line. And if they're thinking about bringing back Jared Allen, which they have to do by uh, extending the qualifying offer, um, I think that's a really good front court to build off of. And then, I mean, you have to see what happens with Colin Sexton, but if he puts up numbers like he did last year, then I, once again, I, I'm going against my own argument. Like, yeah, I guess if he, if Evan Mobley comes out and, I don't know, puts up 15, 14, 18, somewhere in like close to 10 a game, I mean, I, I think the Cavs could contend for a play-in. But uh, it, at this point, it's just more of myself accepting it. I would still rather take Jalen Suggs. Um, I think he would make uh, Darius Garland uh, a lot, a lot better uh, having him set up and running off screens and everything. And I also think his... Jalen Suggs in the pick-and-roll game with Jared Allen would be awesome. Um, and then I I do kind of scare about Mobley being a four because I think I think he's going to, unfortunately, then kind of turn into a Jaron Jackson who should be a center but isn't. And um, so that, that does worry me. But, yeah, I've kind of come to grips with it. And, uh, yeah, I think I think everyone will end up being happy. By the time next year, I think we'll all be happy with it. So, Dan, do you think – what are the odds at this point that the Cavaliers end up with someone other than Mobley on draft night? I'm going to go with uh, 25%. That's generous. I was going to say, like, less than 10. I was going to go with 8%. Mac, where are you at on that? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm, I'm going to revise that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go 15. I'll say 15. 15. Okay. To me, that's still generous. I think all signs point to, unless they pull Anthony Bennett on us. If they pull Anthony Bennett on us, something last minute. But I say less than 5% chance that a pick is anybody else than Mobley, assuming that Green and Cade are off the board. I don't know. I could maybe see them making a deal with Toronto. Like, maybe. If. I, I still think Toronto, like. I still think they, they could potentially think the Cavs want Suggs. I, I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, we've seen stranger things happen. You know, it wouldn't and this be is the Cavs. I don't know, man. It, you're right. It's exactly. We just, we never, I've given up trying to predict who this team is going to take year in and year out. <laughs> 
Just trade Sexton and three for Obi Toppin. Oh, yeah. yeah. We got a report Toppin. today that the Cavaliers aren't going to trade Colin Sexton for picks and young players. They didn't say they weren't going to trade him for Obi Toppin. Obi's going to be the next MVP, man. Yeah, he's not that Is young. Obi still young? Is Obi still young? They didn't, they didn't rule out an Obi Toppin trade. Uh, I would be all for acquiring Obi if it didn't cost that I much. I wouldn't. I would be uh, open to acquiring Obi Toppin if he is waived by the Knicks on a minimum <laughs> contract. That would you rather have Obi that, Toppin that low on him? I don't. I mean, I don't think he's terrible. On this team, where would you rather have Obi Toppin or Dean Wade, Mac? <sighs> I I would. Ah uh, man, that's it's the best team probably. Dean I would Wade, go Wade. Give me, spacing give me no. Give me Toppin. I would go Wade. Give me Toppin. Justin. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Sorry, I know you're talking the other Justin. I'm going to say long term, Obi Toppin. He's got more potential, team, man. But for what this All team right. needs right now, I think Dean Wade would probably play over Obi, just because again, skill set need. And he can shoot and he can defend. He's a he's an underrated defender. Um, you know, a lot of people. I, I don't get that. You know, I I really thought the Wade, Grillmaster Wade, wasn't for it. Wade. Yeah, Wade. Yeah, I, Grillmaster I, I, does not. <laughs> Emphatically, uh, yeah. I, I don't. Oh, Dean Wade is even close to a good defender. <laughs> Grillmaster, you know, journeyman, three trolls. Journeyman, journeyman, Dean Wade is not a good defender. Journeyman who has played for a total of one NBA team. Yeah, right, right. All I know, no, I'm not gonna. That that dude, that's all he does. But Wade, I respect that man. Like if you're like him, William Rissman, he he he's actually dialed back his. His yeah, ruling on me lately. I'm kind of actually disappointed in him, but like I, I respect like a good troll, man. Like I, I engage. He's with committed. Trolls. Like He's I gotta give it to the him. bit. I have to give it to him, dude. It's every post. I get it. I respect it. Every tweet. It's every. Tweet. Hey, man. He's he's reading our stuff. Like I, I gotta give. That him, is true. I, I I I give him his give him his due. But Justin, who would you rather take, Dean Wade or Obi Toppin right now? Justin B. Um. I don't know what does everyone else think. I'll go with the favor on They're that split. one. They're split. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Give me I think OB you, long term. I, I think you want me to say Dean Wade, so I'll say Dean Wade. No, I don't. I I want. I think you you think Ob, but go ahead. I I really. I mean, I, I think the Cavs passed over Ob Toppin for a reason. Uh, he's also. I mean, he is a second year player next year, but he's also old. Uh, I think he's what twenty three or twenty four. Uh, I just, especially if they're going to bring in Mobley, I mean, what's the point in bringing in Obi Toppin? And I would also like to say that I'm really nervous because the Grizzlies are going to get Moses Moody at 10, and he's going to be really good. I think that, that'd be an Moody ideal spot for him, too. I think that Moses Moody goes 7, 8, 9. You think so? Mm. Who? To I who? think he goes earlier than 10. Who's his best fit in that range? Any Actually, team, I could see him in Golden State, though. I think he. I think that's the thing with Moody. I think he literally he's a moment fantastic on any team. Golden State. Golden State would be an interesting fit, man. They they're in a precarious situation. They're like, they're going to be like the Spurs. Yeah, I mean they're going to be right up there contending again next year. Yeah, I think they'll end up taking Davion Mitchell, which I think will be a bad move. But Ugh. I, I don't <laughs> know. I, I I'll never feel bad for the Warriors. So. Whatever. I mean, I, yeah, I, fair, I still fair. have a lot of hate in my heart for the Warriors. I, I, <laughs> I, I could write, I could just write a book on Steph Curry's unanimous MVP. I hated so much. So, uh. I think that's a good, a good note to leave it on. Um, 
Unless anyone else here has any final thoughts, any final things oh, that we need to discuss. Just one final thought. I think Obi Toppin, you know what he should do? He would do really well. He's going to be really good in the big three. Oh like, my I God. think when his, Obi Toppin is when his rookie con, when he doesn't get his I just, <laughs> I, I, team I, I, option, I when know. he doesn't get another he's going to do great. I do some in, oh, great God. in the big three. His dad was a Shreepal legend. I think. Come on, Dan. Come he on, will man. be That's as good bad. in that Look, as his dad. We're we're all down on we're all down on Obi right now. But obviously, yes, he went as low as he did for a reason. But. The situation that he was in in New York didn't eat to that either. I mean, he was just not going to eat into the minutes there with Julius being the way he was. You put him on a different team, perhaps somebody who could utilize his strengths. I think he could be. He could look much better. Obviously, second-year player, a bit on the older side. I don't think he's that bad of a player. I just think he's not in the best of places right now. I think and he's going to be. He's going to do really center. well in Europe. Really well. <laughs> He's gonna be he's gonna be like Derek Williams. He's gonna do great in Europe. Very very key player in Europe. Hey, as long as the as long as USA grabs him, I mean they might qualify for the three on three at the next Olympics. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah, USA can't do any worse than they are now. <laughs> no, they can't. Um, shout out to Javale for playing two minutes in the game against uh against. Unbelievable! Hey, it's unbelievable. Bring, bring it's back unbelievable. Kev. Bring back Kev. It's unbelievable. Oh god. <laughs> Greg Poppins. Maybe we should just bring back Brad Doherty. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, maybe, oh, uh, maybe you know what's? Maybe just Jared Dudley's unrestricted. Just throw him out there for some minutes to eat fouls. Yeah, he's physical. Let let Kendrick Perkins come out of retirement. <laughs> let Big Perk come out of retirement. I feel like I have probably a better body than Jared Dudley out there. That dude is that dude is a, like I, I, he's eating a lot of in and out. I don't know what he's doing, but I mean I kind of respect it. All right, well but, I think I think we yeah. can we can wrap it up on that. Um, thank you everyone out there so much for listening. Thank you Justin. Thank you Dan. Thank you Mac for coming on. Always a blast talking to all of you. Uh, if you enjoyed, please subscribe. Don't miss a future episode. Go listen to some older episodes as well. Uh, leave a rating. Leave a review. All the fun stuff. And uh, hopefully next time we talk, it will be with Evan Mobley in the Cavalier uniform.